and pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This is God's word. Friends, prayer is the means by which God transforms us and aligns us with his purposes for the gospel of restoration. And this is really good news for us personally, in our families, and as a church. What misunderstandings or misconceptions of prayer do you have? I mean, as we ask ourselves this question, are you serious about prayer? Some of us are not, and it's okay. But there are reasons why. Maybe you have misconceptions or misunderstandings about what prayer is and what it does and how does it work. I often think about the movie Meet the Parents, Ben Stiller, Robert De Niro. You know the scene I'm talking about, right? They're gathered around their dinner table, and uh, De Niro says, Greg, would you like to say grace? And Ben Stiller's character says, uh, I've said grace at many a dinner table. You know the prayer, right? He says, oh, dear God, thank you. You were such a good God to us, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day, day by day, day by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day by day. Amen. Right? The mom says, oh, Greg, that was lovely. And De Niro says, thank you, Greg, that was interesting too. (laughs) Those awkward moments of prayer come from a misunderstanding and a misconception of what prayer is and how it works, right? And in that case, it was humorous and borderline blasphemous, depending on your point of view. But all of us have that misconception and misunderstanding to a degree, whether we pray like that or not. I mean, think about what happens when you... Uh, when you open the Word of God, how you approach studying the Scriptures or how you approach trials in your life or, or struggles, uh, we all have misconceptions and misunderstandings. So my hope today is that we would ask ourselves personally, are you serious about prayer? And that the Lord would teach us through His Word uh, how to pray and what prayer does and shows us. Because Scripture instructs us on prayer and shows us that prayer is a means by which God transforms us and aligns us with his gospel purposes for restoration. This is why the apostles asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. You see, the Old Testament is full of uh, examples of prayer and prayer traditions, both private and public times of prayer. There was a great religious tradition of prayer up into the first century. Jesus himself, walking on the earth, spent time in prayer with the Father uh, just before something miraculous would happen that he would do, or just after he would do something amazing. He spent time communing with the Father in prayer. His disciples come and say, Lord, would, would you instruct us on how to pray? And you know what we know is the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you were with us several weeks ago, Ben Ritchie preached a message on Are You Serious About Christian Unity? He did an amazing job of unpacking this text. And what we see here is Jesus himself modeling a prayer to the disciples of, of keeping your focus on our Father in heaven who is holy, who is, who is embracing his kingdom of, through the gospel of restoration to this world and saying, Lord, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Provide for us when we have need, when we sin and we fail. Please forgive us. God, allow us to forgive and release others and release us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Decades later, the early Christian church was still trying to figure this out. The early Christian church was trying to say, how how does prayer like Jesus taught play out in our lives individually and as families and as a church community? What does this look like? What is God up to in prayer? That's what brings us to the book of James. As James is writing to the early Christian church, trying to figure out what prayer does, how it works, why we are to pray, when we are to pray, and and what posture of our hearts and eyes are to have when we pray. James mentions in this text a few times to pray. In verse 13, he says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You see, James says, hey, when you're suffering, pray. When you're cheerful, pray. When you're sick, pray. If there is sin, pray. Pretty much James says, look, in any occasion is a time, there's a time to pray to the Lord. So I want to ask us now, as we ask ourselves the question, are you serious about prayer? Just where are you in life right now? What's going on in your life? Is this a time of suffering for you? Maybe it's suffering relationally in your marriage or family. Maybe there's work heartache. It's hardship that's bringing suffering in your life, financial hardship, school hardship. Maybe you were sick. That's the time to pray. Maybe physically you were ailing. Your body is hurting. Or maybe emotionally or spiritually there's just a sickness eating away at you. Maybe there's sin in your life. Unrepentant sin. Even sin that you're repenting of is a time to pray. Things may be going quite well for you. Cheerful times, Scripture says. Sing praise. It's pray. Praise, pray, right? So what's going on in your life now? Because James focuses our attention not only of when we are to pray, which pretty much is in any circumstance, he says, but James also focuses our attention on the power and purpose of prayer. Where where does the power from prayer originate? And what's the purpose God has for prayer? So I want us to look at that, the power of prayer and the purpose of prayer uh, that James outlines for us. So first we see the power of prayer. How does it work? I mean, how how does prayer work? Is there some magic formula? Where is the power in the prayers that we are to pray? We must understand that the power of prayer is not in how we pray, but rather who we pray to. Right? Who is the object 
of your prayers? Who is the focus of your prayers? Jesus himself said that prayer starts with our Father in heaven, who, who is holy. Right? James says when, when you get together to pray, it is a, it is a prayer that is focused toward God. He says, if anyone is among you suffering, let him pray. If you're cheerful, let him sing praise. Is anyone sick, let him call for the elders. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord. In verse 14, in the name of the Lord is, is what encapsulates our whole prayer life. I mean, you could pray a very eloquent prayer privately or publicly with people or by yourself. You could say some uh, traditional prayer, which I, I love the prayers of the Puritans. Uh, you, you can dig up prayers from hundreds of years past. You can read the book of Psalms, which is an inspired word of God prayers. But if your focus is on yourself or what you're doing or, or how you're praying or even, even the, the structures of your prayers or, or even the public setting of your prayer, I mean, Jesus addressed this while he was on earth as, as the religious leaders who were, were men who I, who I think were honestly trying to love God and follow his law. They would pray very publicly to have some big spectacle. And Jesus says, that's not how you are to pray at all. You're missing the point. You're looking at yourself. You're looking at your tradition. You're looking at the public spectacle. Jesus draws our eyes toward our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. James, along the same line, says when you pray during any circumstances, don't look at the circumstances of suffering, sickness, and sin, and cheerful times, but rather focus as you pray. In verse 14, he says, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord encapsulates everything about prayer. So the power in your prayer is not in how you pray or even where you pray, but rather who you pray to. That changes everything for us in our prayer life. Knowing that you can approach the Lord with clumsy words and say, Lord, I don't even know what I'm needing right now. I just need you. I mean, God, I don't even know what to say. I just messed up royally. God, help me. You don't have to have some eloquent speech prepared because the Lord knows your heart. We find the power of prayer not in how we pray, but who we pray to. And the word pray there is this, is this wonderful word in the Greek New Testament. The word that's used there uh, for pray is also related to the word praise that we see in the text when he says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. If you're cheerful, let him sing praise. Those words are connected uh, linguistically. They are related. And, and that word for pray and for praise is an action that has a reflective effect as a reflexive effect. That means it's not something that you do, but you just you throw it out there and walk away. But it's one of those things that when you do it, it has an effect on you. And it's like, it's like push-ups, as it were. It's not just you know, lifting weights. You have an effect on the weights that you're, you're lifting, but those weights are having an effect on you. In the same way, the word for pray and praise here is that kind of action. It's something that you were doing out there, but that has an effect on you. Because the power in prayer is not how we pray, but who we pray to. But God uses prayer as a means to transform us personally, as families, and as a church community and to, an, to align us with his gospel purposes for restoration. We see throughout Scripture, prayer is personal com communication with God. It's a communion with God. It's an expression of trust. And often, if you're like me, you may feel discouraged in your prayer life. And you may be thinking, I'm not saying my prayer right. I mean, I'm praying to God, but nothing's happening. It's because often we look at who we are and what we do instead of 
who God is and what he's done for us through Christ. So we see that Jesus draws our attention in the Lord's Prayer to look to our Father in heaven, whose name is holy. James says, look, in any circumstance, pray in the name of the Lord. He even brings up this great story of Elijah. If you look down in verse 17, well, if you back up to verse 16, he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Right? So as you're praying, it's working not only to what you're praying for, but working within you. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I love that. And if you read the Old Testament, Elijah, even in the New Testament, Elijah is this great prophet who is revered. And James says, hey, he's just a guy with a nature like us. He may have had a temper. huh? He may have had a smart mouth. Right? We know some about him, what Scripture reveals, but Elijah was he's a man with a nature like ours, tempted, struggled, weakness. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. I mean, that's, that's jamming. Obvious, obvious we're not praying like that this summer, right? It's been raining all summer around here. Verse 18, Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. If you look back to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, which tells the story uh, about Elijah, if you read in 1 Kings, we get to 1 Kings verse 18 through 36. Here's an example of Elijah's prayer. I love this. At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you were God in Israel and that I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. I love that story. I mean, James cites Elijah for a reason. Here, Elijah's this revered prophet throughout the Old Testament, and this revered prophet in, in religious tradition in the first century. And James says, you, you want an example of prayer? A guy who is just like us, he was a prophet, but, but he had a nature like ours. And look at his prayer. What does Elijah pray there? He doesn't pray anything super-duper fancy. I mean, he's not like a Jedi knight going up there just doing all kind of wonderful, awesome, lightsaber-esque things. But what he does is his focus is on the Lord. He says, Oh Lord, God. I mean, he, he, he speaks the name of the Lord whose covenant faithfulness has been shown to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, his, and Israel has been known that you were God. I mean, his prayer is like, God, answer this prayer, not so that I'm awesome. God, answer this prayer so things necessarily don't get better for me. God, answer this prayer so that people will know that you were God. God, answer the prayer so that people will see that you are turning their hearts back. And this is why we meet here today. I mean, my, I was reading this as the band was leading worship, and I was, I was thinking, God, what, what are you going to speak to us today through your word? And I come out here and say, God, that you would be known in this room today. And that God, all of us here, would know that God is turning our hearts back. Not our structure, not our systems, not our style, not this school building, not, not anything other than the Lord is turning our hearts back to Him. That's Elijah's prayer. That's my prayer for you and I today is that our focus would be on the Lord God who is God and that He is changing our hearts that we may know Him. Because the power of prayer is not how we pray, but rather who we pray to. The Lord is our focal point, not ourselves, not our circumstances, not our structure, 
prayer at its core is recognizing who God is and what He's doing. And that changes us and aligns us with His purposes for the gospel. That's good news, friends. That's really good news. The power of prayer is the Lord. But see, the purpose, as I've already said, the purpose of prayer, uh, because you may ask this question, well, if the power, if prayer is God, I mean, if like God's going to do what He's going to do regardless of what I say, I mean, right, Cause, because Elijah in his prayer says, hey, Lord, let it be known that you are God and that you were turning people's hearts back. Like, why would Elijah pray that? I mean, if God is already God and God's already making Himself known, and if God is turning people's hearts back, then what's the purpose of prayer? I mean, so we see the power of prayer is the Lord. What's the purpose? Man, why do we even need to pray? And maybe you're asking that question. I mean, you read the scriptures and say, God's all powerful. He's all knowing. God's just going to do what he's going to do. What's the point? The purpose of prayer is to transform us and align us to God's purposes. If you see in verse 11, so we look at James 5, and James says, hey, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praise. If you're sick, call elders to pray over you, anointing in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will raise up the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. It's like, wow, prayer is awesome. So what's the purpose of it then, if God's going to do that anyway? And James reminds us just a few verses before, in verse 11, to see the context of James is writing this book to a church that's facing oppression, that's suffering. you got apostles getting heads lopped off and crucified upside down for preaching the gospel, and the church is being persecuted by uh, the government of the Roman Empire, and it's hard. They're suffering, man. They're suffering, unlike anything you and I have ever experienced. And James says... That's the time to pray. Just a few verses before in verse 11. Man, the whole book's fantastic. But he says in verse 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It's a big statement there as he's writing about suffering, oppression, sickness. Five chapters later we get here and he says, you have seen the purpose of the Lord. That's what prayer is about. I mean, you are seeing what God is doing. The purpose of prayer is for us to get a glimpse of the purpose of the Lord. To get a glimpse of the Lord making himself known that he is the Lord, he is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he is turning people's hearts back to him. So when we pray, the purpose is that the veil may be lifted from our eyes, that we can just have our eyes like wiped clean of the dust and selfishness and self-absorbed everything and just kind of have that wiped out a little bit and get a clear picture of who God is and what he's doing. That we would see... As verse 11 says, the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It'll change everything for you personally. It'll change everything for your family. It'll change everything for this church. And it'll change everything as we, uh, by God's grace, would steward the gospel out of this place to our families and workplaces and school places 
He goes on to say that the prayers must be offered in faith. With the purpose of prayer is to align us with the purposes of God to reveal who he is and, and what he's doing in our midst. And then he says in verse 15, he says, the prayer must be offered in faith, that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he committed sins, he'll be forgiven. I heard a pastor once say, if you're going to pray for rain, bring an umbrella. Right? I mean, if you go out and say, Lord, I pray that it would rain. Well, where's, where's your umbrella? Obviously, there's no faith there that God could actually make it rain. Because if you think he's going to do it, you're going to bring your umbrella. Just saying. He goes on to say, James goes on to say that when we pray a prayer of faith, when we pray expectantly, knowing that the power of prayer is the Lord God himself, and that the purpose of prayer is that that he is aligning us to see his purposes of revealing who he is and what he's doing to transform us to be more like him. We see the power and the purpose of prayer. We go on to see that the results of prayer, it would be that we would pray in faith, we would pray expectantly, and that there would be, what he says here, restoration, forgiveness, and even righteousness. I like this part a lot. Okay? In verse 15, he says, The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. All right. If you're like me, you're going to look at that and say, Well, Jeremy, you just said it's not how we pray that does things. It's who we pray to. So this says the prayer of faith will save that person. Hmm? How does that work? Because... The word for save, I mean, it, it can have a broad word of, of meaning to rescue, right? To, to, to kind of bring alongside. Like if you think of somebody, um, you know, somebody like, like if you have kids and they're like running around, you're like, dude, we need to just kind of bring it in. Like there's a lot of traffic. Let's just bring it in, kids. Bring it in. You are saving your kids by bringing them alongside of yourself. So when you were praying, it is God bringing us alongside with who he is and what he's doing. So, so the, the prayer of faith will save that person. It's because you are praying over somebody who needs prayer. And you're saying, look, I just want to pray over you uh, because I'm going to bring you alongside of what's going on so that we can kind of look at God, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of history. And we're going to see his purposes together. As we, as we pray together, I'm saving you, as it were, bringing you alongside so we can look to God together and see who he is and what he's doing, see his purposes, and to see that he is compassionate and merciful. That's what prayer is about right there. So when you pray in faith, you, you were praying that God will raise up somebody, he will save somebody. The prayer of faith for the one who is sick, the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We say the purpose of prayer is restoration, forgiveness. Because we, we are saying to a person we are praying over who is in sin, man, don't sin. Because God didn't create you to do that. God's better than that. He loves you more than that. It's not saying stop sinning so that the Lord will accept you. It's saying, look, man, Jesus died for you because God loves you. And he's compassionate and merciful. So I'm going to pray with you and put my arm around you. We're going to look to God as our Savior, right? That's what's going on in that picture. So just... Put your arm around the person next to you as an illustration just right now, everybody. There you go. Is that uncomfortable? <laughs> Look into the Lord together, right? Look into the Lord together. So verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins. That's right. I mean, if prayer is, is coming alongside and looking to God who is merciful and compassionate and seeing his purposes, which is what verse 11 says, then you can confess your sins to one another. You can confess your sin to God and say, God, I'm blowing it here. He knows anyway. 
You can confess your sins to each other and say, man, I just need you to pray with me about this because I'm having a really hard time right now. I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to put their arm around me and point me to Jesus. I actually need that right now. So after church, if you want to come grab me, put your arm around me, point me to Jesus, I'd love that. That's what I want us to to do as a church and to be as a church is to be coming alongside one another praying and looking to Jesus as our Savior. Verse 16 says, Confess your sins with one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Here's the statement. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. So here we are. You're thinking, Jeremy, I'm not righteous, so if I pray, it's not going to do anything. You're right. I'm not, I'm not righteous in my own strength at all. But here's the beauty of prayer, is that prayer is not in who we are, how we are, and how we're praying, but rather who we pray to, who is the Lord, God. Jesus on our behalf prayed. He is righteous. He gives us His righteousness. He uses prayer to transform us, to bring us alongside His purposes, looking to Him. That's what makes us righteous. The prayer of a righteous person has much power and it's working. It's the working of the prayer of God working through that prayer that makes you righteous. That's good news brings us closer to God, closer to each other. It allows us to partner in His kingdom work. Our prayers, therefore, are an outpouring of the Holy Spirit's work in us and through us, personally, as a family, and as a church together looking to Christ. So, how do we put this into action? All right, are you serious about prayer? Okay, we see the power of prayer is in the Lord God. The purpose of prayer is that He would transform us and align us with His purposes. And He not only does that personally, but allows us to come alongside as we pray over one another and pray for one another. That we are basically saving each other by by putting our arms around each other and saying, "Let's look together to the Lord God and, and align ourselves with His purposes." So, how do we put this into action? How do we do this? Let me be clear. This application point right here is not a how-to so that prayer will work for you, but rather it is how Scripture outlines a prayer of God working through us, if that makes sense. I would encourage you to take note of this, maybe write it down because it will help guide your life. It will be a way that you, you, know, you can say, look, I want to see Jesus better. Well, here, put on these, these goggles, these lenses, That's if that makes sense. So seeing... The purpose of prayer being communing with God and getting aligned to His purposes. James mentions here, pray when you're suffering, pray when you're cheerful, pray when you're sick, pray when there's sin. So I want to give us uh, three ways to pray, so to speak, that the, the Scripture gives us. The first is, is uh, personal supplication and confession. All right, The first way you can pray, knowing that the power of prayer is from the Lord and that the purpose of prayer is that He's transforming us and aligning us with His purposes, uh, the occasions to pray are just any time, all the time. Suffering, cheerful, sickness, sin. The first way to pray in that regard is personal supplication and confession. All right, that means to pray for yourself, supplication, what you need, what, what's going on. Just pray for yourself. And then confession. That means to, to confess personally to God and also with each other of, of the sins that you're struggling with and the idols within your heart, what's stealing your attention and affection from the Lord. Like what's just being real is what that means. 
So personal supplication and confession. Uh, for instance, I mean, verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? suffering? Let him pray. If you're cheerful, let him sing praise. That means you. Are you sick? Are you suffering? Pray for yourself. Are things going well? Pray for yourself. That's the supplication. Confession, like verse 15 says, The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So, so you can pray, uh, you can confess your sin to one another while you're praying for God to remove that sin and idol from your life. And embracing repentance, embracing forgiveness, trusting the Lord in faith. That's supplication and confession. I'm reading this great book by a pastor and author, Jared Wilson, called The Pastor's Justification. It's, it's written toward pastors and any ministry leaders, but if you want to read it, read it. I think it's good. It will help you pray for me, if anything else. But Jared Wilson, his book says, Prayer is acknowledged helplessness, and prayerlessness is arrogance. Right? Prayer is acknowledged helplessness. It's saying, God, I cannot provide for myself. I can't do it. God, I cannot protect my family from anything evil. God, I, I, I cannot save myself. I cannot get out of my sin. I cannot change my heart's affection from this idol thing over there and make it love you anymore. God, I can't do that. I am utterly helpless. Save me. Change me, God. So prayer is acknowledged helplessness. And so if we're not praying, it's arrogance. It's saying, God, I don't need you to provide for me. God, I don't need you to protect my family. God, I don't need you to forgive me for my sin. God, I don't need your help to change my heart. I'm fine. Prayerlessness is arrogance. So, friends, Scripture says that we are to have personal prayer of supplication and confession, admitting our helplessness and our need for the Lord's intervention. So pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. It's not... It's not self-centered to pray for yourself. It's really admitting that you're helpless and need the Lord. It's not selfish to pray for yourself. Don't feel guilty for praying for yourself. If you feel guilty, you need to repent from feeling guilty and pray for feeling guilty. Right? I'm just so others-focused. Don't pray for yourself. Man, you need to repent. Secondly, so personal supplication and confession. Secondly, praise. Praise. That's adoring who God is and what He's done. Do you ever just take a step back and, I mean, it, you can see it in your life, say, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you for this opportunity. But do you ever just step back and, like, look at what God has done throughout human history? It'll blow your mind. When you read the scriptures, you just be like, I can't believe God freed thousands of people from slavery in Egypt. Legit. I can't believe God intervened in people's lives. I mean, you see Jesus. I can't believe that Jesus fed thousands of people and like healed sick people, raised people from the dead. Man, praise you, God, for doing that. So look around at your life personally and respond with praise. Look at Scripture and throughout history and praise God for what He's doing. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not, I, want you, I want you to know where I'm coming from right here. I'm not on this stage high and mighty saying, I am the most prayerful person in this room. I can almost guarantee you I'm probably not. I know some of you in this room who are more prayerful than I am. God is teaching me through this right now. 
God has convicted me of my arrogance of prayerlessness. Okay? Can I just be real with you? Can I confess my brokenness to you? Right? I'm looking to Jesus with you. I'm saying, look, God needs to continue to shape me and change me. He does so. It's awesome. He's awesome. I mean, a few months ago, I was so convicted of my unstructured prayer because I, I pray a lot. I pray when I'm driving on the road. So if, if you're ever on Washington Road and you like pull up next to me and you're like, man, is he singing? And I'm probably praying because I pray out loud. I'm just like, you know, so if you pull up and I'm just running my mouth, I'm not talking on the phone. I'm probably not singing Taylor Swift or anything. I only do that when my kids are in the car. Um, I'm probably praying, right? I pray for you. If you're a member of this church, I have your name on a list. I pray for you by name uh, because God loves you. I love you. I count it a great joy to be in this flock with you, okay? So I do pray a lot. But my prayers were kind of scattered and all over the map, which is fine. I love that. Again, it's not how you pray that's important. It's who you pray to. But I was just convicted a couple months ago about, Lord, I just need to kind of have a, a more focused prayer time. Like, not just while I'm driving down the road, which is good, do that. But also, Lord, I need to just steal like 10 minutes of uninterrupted, focused prayer. Like, I study all the time, and just the Word is just all the time. But I was like, Lord, I need to just pray. It's hard for me to like get everything quiet. And, um, and so one thing I started doing, and I just would encourage you to try this, is to get a little moleskin journal. And, uh, and pray through the Psalms, right? I mean, Psalms are, are inspired word of God. It's like a lot of it's just prayer to God, praise to God, and just jot down. I mean, just, I read a Psalm a day, and I'm like, all right, Lord, what are you teaching me through your word? What are you saying about yourself? I mean, Lord, transform me to pray like this, right? I've used other things too, like some Puritan prayers and, and some other resources to help guide my prayer life. That's just an aside why? Because when I pray for you, I'm not praying that you would look to Jeremy or Elijah. I'm praying that you would look to Jesus who saves us. So that's, that's why I'm just telling you this, right? Put my arm and say, let's look to Jesus. All right, that's, so pray for yourself, supplication and confession. Secondly, spend time in praise, adoring who God is and what he's done. And thirdly, intercession. This means praying for others. Right, verse 14 is an example of that. He says, uh, if anyone's sick, let him call on the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Right, intercession is praying for other people. It's like you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's intercession. And friends, I want us to be a church that is interceding on each other's behalf. I mean, I hear stories of some of you guys doing this, like meeting together and praying for, for each other, struggling through sins and stuff. Love it. It's biblical. It's godly. God is shaping us through your intercession. And I love it. This is what Jesus did. If you read in John 17, uh, for example, John 17, Jesus is praying for us. Right? Jesus himself is praying to God, interceding on our behalf. He's our, he's our great mediator, Scripture tells us. In John 17, he's praying. He says, I do not ask for these only. He's praying you know, in the presence of his disciples. But also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, and that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus is praying, interceding for his people. So friends, let me just tell you, who, who has God put in your life to pray for? I mean, basically, if you know somebody, pray for them, right? If you are married, pray for your spouse, Spend time praying. Husbands, pray for your wives. Wives, pray for your husbands. Here's a hard one sometimes, is pray with them. 
Not just for them. Another area of growth for me. Pray for your spouse, but pray with your spouse. Right? Pray for your children. Pray with your children. Pray for your friends and with your friends. Pray for your co-workers and with your co-workers. Friends, pray for this church and with this church. Pray for your leaders here. We need it. Pray with us. That would be fun. Pray for people who don't yet know Jesus, even if you don't know your, their names. I mean, you can, again, get out your prayer moleskin journal. Don't come find mine because there's a list of people in there with specific prayer needs. But I have I started jotting down like random people I meet. I met this guy in line at the Comcast office a couple years ago who, who's a Muslim. And we, we were, if you've ever been to the line in Comcast, it's like, good grief, man. It's just, you're going to be there for about 14 days. Just bring a sandwich and sit down. But, I, but it was really cool because I met this guy. He, he, he started the conversation. And, and I started talking to this guy. And, um, and I actually, actually saw his family at Target the other day. And I was like, there's a guy, man. And it, it reminded me to pray for this guy, right? He doesn't know Jesus. He had a lot of questions about Jesus. So intercede on people who don't yet know Jesus, right? Here's a big one. Pray for your enemies. Right? This is where, where Psalms and the Gospels conflict for me. Because I read Psalms and like David's like, Lord, bring my enemies to ruin. Banish their names from the face of the earth. I'm like, yes! Banish them! And then... But then you get later in the Psalms and... Or then you get to the Gospels. Luke chapter 6 when Jesus says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Matthew 5.44 I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. These are two of the verses that are the hardest to apply for me because somebody was out for my harm for a couple years. And uh, I'd rather pray the Psalms over them rather than the Gospels. But pray for your enemies. Pray for those who abuse you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So back to that whole confession and repentance thing. Yeah, that's a hard one for me. First Timothy says, pray for all the people. Jeremiah 29 says, seek the welfare of the city and pray on its behalf. Do you pray for the city? You should. And when I say city, I mean Augusta, Evans, Aiken. Just pray for the whole CSRA. Pray on its behalf. Seek the welfare of this city. Can you imagine what would happen, friends? As individuals, as a family, as a church community, if we saw that the power of prayer was in the Lord God who was doing a work and that the purpose was that He would transform who we are and align us with his purpose is to reveal who he is and what he's doing. And, the, and then in so doing, that would prompt us to pray for ourselves in supplication and confession, praying with faith, and that we would pray uh, praise to the Lord just for who he is and what he's doing in our midst, and that we would intercede for each other when we're sick and suffering and struggling with sin, and that in so doing, God would bring great restoration in our lives, in our church, and in the city. Can you imagine that? May we be people who are serious about prayer. 
praying in faith that God would reveal who He is and what He's doing. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank You for who You are. God, I thank You that You are a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Lord, that throughout generations You have done amazing things for the glory of Your name and for the benefit of Your people. And God, that the good news uh, would ripple throughout uh, generations. So Lord, I thank You for Your Word uh, that is rich and deep, and, and God, so hard to uh, sum up in one sitting. But God, I pray that as we open your word and study it and read it and pray through it, and God, discuss it with one another, uh, God, that you would speak to us, that you would indeed be transforming our hearts to be more like your son Jesus, that you would be indeed revealing your character and aligning us with your gospel mission of restoration in our families and cities and in this church and, and God, through the nation, to the nations and to the world. Uh, so God, I pray that you would do these things for your glory and our joy that all people would know who Jesus is. God, I pray uh, for, um, for myself. God, in supplication, Lord, I pray that you would continue to chisel away at my cynical heart. God, that you would continue to bring to light sins and idols uh, of um, identity and security. And uh, God, that you would hammer those out, that I would look to you as my protector and provider. And God, that, that you, Jesus, are my righteousness. So God, in supplication, I ask that you do that in my life. And, and in confession, I, I confess uh, to you, Lord, in the presence of my brothers and sisters here, my uh, constant um, battling of uh, the attacks of the enemy and enemies who, who seek my harm. And God, I pray that you would continue to grow me and transform me. Secondly, Lord, in praise of who you are, God, I thank you that you are the God who is mighty to save, that you are the same through the ages, that your love never changes, God, that your love never fails. And because of your steadfast love, you stooped down into human history to save fickle sinners like me and like us and like people throughout Scripture and throughout the world today. God, I pray that that good news would go forth for the glory of your name, that you would transform us into worshipers of Jesus, proclaiming your goodness, Lord. Thirdly, Lord, in intercession, I pray for my friends in this room. God, I pray for Redemption Church. I pray for other believers here from other congregations, Lord, that you have saved and that you are transforming to be more like Jesus. God, I pray for repentance of sin and idols and, and God, for joy and for hope and for faith and for missional zealousy, for confidence, for boldness, for integrity. God, I pray for marriages to be strengthened with the gospel. I pray for families to be saturated in grace. I pray for communities to be living out the joy of the gospel and impacting neighborhoods in, in this city and other cities for the gospel. God, I pray for my enemies. I pray for our enemies. God, I pray for those who are lost who don't yet know you or God for who know you and have walked away from the faith or who have forgotten to look for you as their author and perfecter. Lord, I pray that you would bring restoration, healing, repentance. God, I ask these things for the glory of your name, Jesus, and for the joy of your people. Amen.